Hello, and welcome to the Strange Matters Podcast. Here at Strange Matters, we discuss everything that is bizarre, mysterious, and unexplained. I'm Sean, and I will be the host for this discussion. In this episode, we will be talking about the dark and disturbing history behind a secretive commune known as the Colonia Dignidad. This compound was originally set up as a place of community welfare and harmony, but eventually what was going on behind its fences would be discovered, shocking and horrifying everyone who learned of its dark secrets. For this show, we will be discussing the rise of the Colonia Dignidad and its leader, Paul Schaefer, a twisted and evil man who formed a cult-like organization of brainwashed and broken people, all to satisfy his perverse desires, a reign of terror that lasted not just a few years, but several decades. This episode was suggested to us by Eric, one of our listeners actually, and not my co-host. I do want to give a warning to our listeners that this episode's topic contains mention of violence and sexual abuse, and will most likely be upsetting to some. That being said, I believe this is an interesting piece of history that many people are most likely completely unaware of. Before I get started, though, I would like to remind those listening that Strange Matters Podcast is made possible by our generous listeners who are supporting the podcast through our Patreon page. We would like to thank our newest supporters of the show, Ryan, Quentin, and Stephanie. On Patreon, you can donate as little as $1 a month towards the show, and as an incentive, all of our patrons will help decide which upcoming topics we should focus on, as well as getting access to exclusive bonus episodes. We are happy to announce that we have already reached our first goal, which will help cover the cost of maintaining our site and audio content. Our next goal will be put towards acquiring better recording equipment and software to improve the quality of our show, which I'm sure everyone will appreciate. If any of you listeners are interested in helping supporting our podcast, you can visit our page at patreon.com strangematters, or you can visit our website and click on the Support Us page. And now, let's get ready to dive back into the disturbing history of this topic. The Colonia Dignidad, or Dignity Colony as it was called, an ironic name if I've ever heard one, was founded in Chile in 1961. It was there that the multitude of residents of the sect would be kept as virtual slaves and indoctrinated completely, being kept from the outside world for over three decades. To really understand the beginnings of the Colonia Dignidad and why it turned out the way it did, we should first talk a little about its leader, Paul Schaefer. The first and obvious fact that stands out immediately about this man when you look up his history is that he was an ex-Nazi which really would be all some people would need to know about the man to sum up who he was. However, his depravity goes deeper and started long before he founded the Colonia Dignidad. Paul Schaefer was born in Germany in the year 1921. During the rise of the Third Reich and the lead-up to World War II, Schaefer joined the Hitler Youth Movement at a young age. During the war itself, Paul was trained and served as a combat medic in the Wehrmacht and promoted to a corporal. Sometime after the war, Schaefer set up a children's home and served as a welfare worker for the children in a Baptist church. Schaefer was known to some as having a large personality and charisma, but to the victims of his future actions, they would recall a darker side of him, remembering his intimidating presence and paralyzing glare. To the demoralized people of Germany in the wake of their defeat in World War II, Paul Schaefer would become a beacon of light to many who were desperate in seeking some sort of guidance and purpose. However, this front of being a crusader for helping the children in a post-war Germany soon became muddled as rumors and accusations began to rise up against Schaefer 
concerning with sexual abuse of several of the children he worked with. While he was fired from his job, no criminal proceedings were brought up against Schaefer. I'm not sure exactly why he wasn't prosecuted at this time, but whatever the reason, he was able to move freely after this incident. Paul Schaefer would then go on to move to Grona, where he would form a community, appointing himself as the lead preacher. In 1959, again, he started the Private Social Mission, an organization to assist and guide at-risk children. I'm sure some of you listeners by now can start to see a pattern forming in his actions, as Schaefer would repeatedly build himself up as a charitable man and champion for the needy, a person who just wants to help improve the quality of life for these kids in these troubling times. In reality, though, he was seeking to put himself in a position of power and trust, and more importantly, putting himself in a position where he would have access to children to satisfy his sick desires. Though his organization might have looked like a solid and charitable group from the outside, on the inside, Paul was slowly turning into something that would more resemble a cult-like compound, such as one found at Jonestown, which we covered in an earlier episode. Schaefer quickly began to manipulate his followers until he had their complete trust and devotion, while also forcing them to work the land hard without pay. Paul's troubling past, though, would come back to haunt him, as stories of his former abuse and pedophilia, as well as new suspicions, arose up and threatened to take away all he had built. The police had decided to take action against this man now, and issued warrants for Schaefer's arrest. Again, this very much mirrors the history of the People's Temple cult in the United States, and just like what their leader, Jim Jones, would do to his own cult. When things started to look bad for Paul Schaefer and his followers, he abandoned his home country for a place that would better suit his needs. So, in 1961, Paul Schaefer orchestrated the quick immigration of several hundred of his closest followers and members and left Germany surfacing sometime later in South America, specifically Chile. It is likely that many of the members who came with Paul were either unaware of the warrants and accusations against their leader, or simply ignored the fact. It is now in Chile that things really start to get disturbing, as Paul Schaefer started to put his grand plan into motion. In an isolated area in the valley of the Andean foothills, Schaefer acquired a large section of land of about 50 square miles, or 130 square kilometers. The colony would be set near the city of Peral, and though Schaefer originally just had a small group of people with him when he fled from Germany, the colony would grow over to as many as 300 people over the years. Just like some of Schaefer's earlier projects, from the outside the Colonia Dignidad actually looked like a really great place. Within its borders it held a school, a hospital, restaurants, airstrip, power station, farmlands, and plenty of living facilities. The colony would go on to have a very lucrative economy, as it would become very profitable with the work being done through farming, baking, mining, and more. It was practically its own little, successful, and independent city-state within another country, a fact that would later breed resentment among the locals. On the onset, the colony seemed very promising to those who lived around it. It offered a variety of different jobs to the locals, as well as free schooling for children, and even free hospital care at the colony's health facilities. The purpose of the Colonia Dignidad would be to show the outside world a vision of harmony and order based on communal work. The colony was to be a place in which there was community of goods, where everyone shared everything they needed. Schaefer did well in putting together propaganda for the colony, producing and sharing film footage of the residents inside. These short little advertisements showed happy and smiling men, women, and children, 
all working their jobs and enjoying life in the colony. Though the number of members started low, with a combination of propaganda and Schaefer's own manipulative abilities, the colony saw steady growth throughout its beginning years. However, as time went on, this facade of a happy little community started to disappear, as, once again, whispered rumors and allegations on the oddities of the leader Paul Schaefer began to arise. What Schaefer accidentally must have left out in his advertisements and pamphlets for the colony to prospective new members was that no one was really getting paid for the incredible amount of hard work it took to keep the complex going. Again, in a similarity to Jonestown, the members of Schaefer's sect worked the fields or mines or whatever their duty was for the majority of the day. Many worked for 12 hours straight, without a paycheck, and soon became reliant on Schaefer, as they had unwillingly signed on to become virtual slaves. Once members of the colony, these people had no money left and no source of income, and many had multiple family members inside the colony as well. Therefore, unless they wanted to risk leaving the compound with no money or home or job, while simultaneously abandoning any family left inside, they were stuck there. I have heard of a few references to the well-known song Hotel California, and that the Colonia Dignidad was a place that you could theoretically check out of, but in reality you could never leave. As the years went by, the colony took on the appearance of something that looked like a typical secret cult compound, rather than a friendly community. Heavy gates blocked the way into and out of the colony. Fences with barbed wire surrounded the lands. Searchlights swept over the fields, searching for anyone trying to make a midnight run for escape. Watchtowers with armed guards overlooked the whole compound, and Schaefer even had motion sensors and camouflage cameras installed, surrounding the whole perimeter. The residents of the colony were not to have any contact at all with the outside world. As well as keeping his followers locked inside, there was equal measures taken by Schaefer to keep pesky outsiders away. Schaefer's political ties kept the local police away, or alerted him when they would be doing their investigations. A journalist who went to look into the colony was greeting with warning shots of gunfire when she approached the gates. Even the German embassy turned a blind eye to what was going on to some of their own citizens, a fact that many victims still hold the country accountable for today. Over the years, Schaefer began to implement strange but strict rules, all according to his own bizarre desires. Men and women were completely separated into different living facilities, and children were even taken away from their parents. Sex among the members, even those married, was forbidden completely. Those who could not quite shake the feelings of sexual desires were treated with several different methods, such as electroshocks or drugs. Because of this, as the decades went on, the colony would find the birth rate to diminish almost entirely, which would present a disturbing problem for Paul Schaefer and his secret and twisted intentions, which we will get into later. Some of you listeners by now may be wondering how is it that a German man could flee his home country, wind up in Chile, and somehow put together this large, isolated organization with a growing shady reputation without any legal troubles. Well, Paul Schaefer had somehow become friends and allies with the country's leader, General Augusto Pinochet, who ruled with an iron fist through the 70s and 80s when he overthrew the old government. When Pinochet first visited Colonia Dignidad, he and Schaefer quickly formed a warm and mutually beneficial relationship. In exchange for the country's leader turning a blind eye into whatever Schaefer was doing behind his barbed wire fences, 
He allowed General Pinochet to use the colony's facilities for some of his own nefarious uses. This mostly involved Pinochet sending his political rivals and prisoners to the colony, where they would be imprisoned and tortured. Thanks to Schaefer's close links and cooperation with Chile's ruling elite, the colony was able to operate effectively and with impunity as a state within a state. So far, we have covered part of the colony's dark history. How it turned from a communal organization meant to help everyone into something more like a forced labor camp to make their leaders rich its unusual rules regarding how its members interacted with each other and how it punished those who didn't follow Schaefer's strict rules, as well as how the colony had built torture bunkers for the country's ruler to use as his own sadistic punishment system. But all of these things, though cruel and disturbing, all pale in comparison to what Schaefer was really up to and really his whole grand idea behind the creation of the Colonia Dignidad in the first place. I have mentioned several accusations against Paul Schaefer in the past, largely in that his sexual abuse against children was his driving factor into fleeing his home country and seeking a home halfway across the world. It was only in Chile, in his perfectly built colony, that he had all to himself, could this evil man truly fulfill his sick fantasies. It was not long after the creation and settlement of the colony did rumors once again start up about what was going on between the leader Paul Schaefer in the multitude of young girls and boys in the colony. As I've mentioned before, upon organizing the Colonia Dignidad, Paul Schaefer put into place a set of rules that would easily allow him to set his disturbing plans in motion. Behind a mirage curtain of the image of a colony built for a social work and community, Schaefer was in reality building a living hell for his future victims. He was systematically creating new rules that would increasingly separate families and he took special care to isolate the youngest and most helpless members of his colony. Soon, Schaefer would devise a way for himself to conduct rampant abuse and torturous actions upon the youth, especially the young men and boys of his group. The sexual abuse that Schaefer instituted towards the young members of his sect basically became a ritualized and organized routine. Once all the dirty little secrets finally were out to the public years after Schaefer's sect would stop its operations, a lawyer in Chile would call the colony a pedophile's paradise. However, the males were not the only target of Schaefer's cruelty. There were numerous tales of women being pulled from their beds at night and forced to go to the hospital facilities, where cattle prods were used in an attempt to sterilize them. One female member of the colony also reminisced how, after years of abuse, she was forced to suffer through a series of intense electroshocks in an attempt to erase her memory. One of the ways that Schaefer was able to conduct these types of cruel actions is the complete separation and breakdown of the standard family units. As I've mentioned before, men and women were made to live apart, and children were stripped away from their parents. Instead, all the children shared communal parents of all the adults, whom they would call uncles and aunts. Schaefer himself was referred to as the permanent uncle. For the youngest children brought to the colony, and those born within, many did not even know which adults were their actual parents, or who their siblings were. Everyone was made to feel and be completely isolated. Families, in the usual sense of the word, simply did not exist anymore within the colony's borders. One survivor of Schaefer's abuse spoke of how he often had trouble sleeping at night, and he just felt so completely alone throughout his childhood with no one to help or protect him from his supposed leader. At the age of seven, children began their duties. They did not go to school, 
but rather just like the older members, they were expected to work full-day shifts at whatever their assigned job was. This included hard and long days out in the field, going from sunrise to late at night without any breaks. The children, just like many of the adults, were only allowed a few hours of sleep a night, as well as scant meals. Those who didn't obey, or who couldn't physically complete their work that day, were often beaten, locked up, or starved. By breaking the will of his followers, Schaefer had created a community who had no choice but to obey his every command, and soon many members regarded him as something almost like a god. Along with being forced to work, for many of the young boys it was usually around the age of seven that they were also forced to spend time with their permanent uncle, Paul Schaefer. Numerous men who were raised completely, or spent most of their younger lives in the colony, recalled how they discovered the cruel and perverted nature of their leader firsthand, as Schaefer would sexually abuse countless children in the decades of the colony's operation. By taking these kids away from their families, working them nonstop, the young children were mentally and physically unable to oppose the adult man as he took advantage of them. By accounts of those who had lived in the colony, it is estimated that Schaefer abused several boys in a single day, and perhaps thousands in total over the course that the Colonia Dignidad existed. As horrifying as all these crimes are, many of the listeners may be wondering why this type of action for their leader was permitted by the hundreds living in the colony. Well, one of the more disturbing explanations I found was that those who were chosen to be fellow leaders and power figures or assistants to Schaefer all agreed to their positions if they ignored the cruelties that Schaefer would inflict on their own children and the colony. Plus, only those in Schaefer's inner circle were allowed to share in the immense wealth of the colony. For the rest of the people, anyone who attempted to stand up for themselves or others were severely punished, with electroshocks, forced drugs, and going days without meals. Therefore, in order to simply have food to eat, a bed to sleep in, and escape the pain of torture, those in the colony had no choice but to turn away from what was really happening behind closed doors. Paul Schaefer was also very adept at manipulating the large crowds of people. Due to the hospitals in the colony, Schaefer and his subordinates had access to many mind-altering drugs. Using psychotropic medications had effects on the minds of the people in the colony, altering the way that they would normally think or feel or react. Interestingly enough, we had just covered some of these mind-control-type methods in our Patreon-exclusive episode earlier this month on evil human experimentations. So by now, I am well aware of what kind of effects these type of drugs can have on a person. Schaefer was also using techniques from his former life as a Nazi to control his colony, in much the same way as other Nazis controlled those suffering in concentration camps back in World War II. Over the course of the Colonia Dignidad, Paul Schaefer even had contact with several other high-level Nazis who had fled to South America, including Joseph Mengele known infamously as the Angel of Death, who was part of the leadership at Auschwitz. Now, it must go without saying that not everybody in the colony was willing to fall in line and go along with the whims of their sadistic leader. As the years went on, there was growing resentments and unrest within the Colonia Dignidad. Despite the guards, fences, and isolated geography of the region, which was far from civilization, some people yearned for escape and to finally have freedom from the terror of their everyday lives. A few people did manage to escape, and a couple attempted to seek shelter at the German embassy in Chile. Unbelievably, 
instead of respecting their statements on what was going on behind the fences and offering to help them escape. The embassy actually transported these people right back to the Colonia Dignidad. Unbeknownst to the people living in the colony, those working at the embassy at the time had a close relationship with Schaefer. Fortunately, and finally, in 1984, a small group of Schaefer's assistants managed to escape the colony. Fed up with the rampant sexual abuse, violence, and harsh living conditions of the people, these former leaders of the colony fled back to Germany to testify against Schaefer and make the public aware of the atrocities being committed back in Chile. Another problem that came about was from Schaefer's own rules, and that the population of young boys in the colony was dwindling. Due to his strict commandments against sex, barely any new babies were being born, and many who were young when the colony was founded was now growing up and past the age of Schaefer's twisted perversion. In an act of desperation, he decided to open the colony up to some of the locals in an attempt to gain some new members. Initially, this did work, as many Chileans had looked up to how prosperous and happy the people in the colony appeared to be, and were all too willing to move themselves in. It was seen as a privilege and honor for some of the Chilean parents to have their children raised by the German standards. However, this admiration soon began to spoil, as Schaefer now turned his full attention on the new wave of young children entering the colony. When one child was brave enough to tell his mother what was happening to him at the colony from their leader, the woman knew she had to get help. She bypassed going to the local police or lawyers, who she knew were probably bought off by the leader of the colony, but instead traveled hundreds of kilometers away to the city of Santiago to find an attorney willing to take on the case. The dominoes soon began to fall faster against Schaefer, as around this time his staunch ally in power, General Pinochet, was set aside for a democratically elected leader, one who was all too eager to go after Paul Schaefer and his secretive colony set inside his country. Chilean investigators began to ramp up their activities in response to the allegations of abuse, and were preparing to take the colony and the man behind it down for good. Sensing that his power was crumbling, his people were turning against him and the presence of the police rising up, Paul Schaefer did what he had always done when faced with such troubles. He fled. After his sudden disappearance, the remainder of his inner circle attempted to keep the colony up and running as before. Knowing that the police investigators were on their way, they knew drastic changes would need to be put into place in order to cover up their tracks. The new leaders basically exiled the young men who had been abused by Schaefer in the past, as well as some of their families, in an attempt to get rid of anyone who would be willing and able to testify against the higher-ups of the colony. One former member remembered how odd and perplexing it was to finally and suddenly be out of the colony's barbed wire fences after 20 years. He said he was an adult, but with the mentality of a child. He had no education, did not speak the native language, and did not know how new technology worked. Things as simple as automatic opening doors and traffic lights amazed him, as he had never actually witnessed them before in all his life stuck in the colony. This one former member was fortunate enough to have been able to have gotten past his childhood abuse and went on to live a relatively normal life. But for many of his fellow childhood friends of the colony, they were not so lucky once they were kicked out. Hundreds, if not thousands, of children were left with terrible physical, emotional, and psychological damage, all from the rampant abuse done to them by their former leader. 
Several members have spoken how it took years for them to realize that it was not them who were the bad ones or evil sinners, but that they were instead simply innocent victims of a terrible man. Meanwhile, back at the colony, though the sexual abuse had disappeared along with its leader, Paul Schaefer, those who remained in charge still used harsh punishments and drugs to control the few remaining members. It would take over a decade after Schaefer's disappearance for this finally to come to an end, but many more lives were still damaged long after that man had left. And as for Paul Schaefer, for years his whereabouts were unknown. Some rumors had it that he had snuck back into Germany and was back at it abusing more children under a new alias and organization. Others say that he had fled to another country, or perhaps he had even died long ago without any identification to prove who he was. It was not until 2005 that a Chilean journalist managed to track the former Nazi and colony leader down, as he was hiding out in a small farm in Argentina. It had been up to this journalist, a lawyer, and a small but dedicated force of Argentine police to finally capture Paul Schaefer, as they took great care to not give the Chilean government any knowledge of their leads and fear that someone in power would leak it back to Schaefer and give him time to escape yet again. Luckily, this time Schaefer was caught, and he had nowhere left to run. He was extradited to Chile, where he faced 25 charges of sexual abuse against minors, and sentenced to 20 years in jail. A paltry sentence for his actions, if you ask me. That same year, the colony was raided by the police, who finally discovered all the horrible secrets that had been kept away from the public for so long. Along with the hidden torture chambers, to the surprise of many, they found an immense arsenal discovered on the colony's grounds. Machine guns, rocket launchers, and even poisonous sarin gas was discovered. It is unfortunate that we will most likely never know everything that happened at the Colonia Dignidad, nor the full extent of Schaefer's crimes. Many documents and reports of what happened are still being kept secret from the public by the police intelligence. The German government has also been criticized for being slow to recognize what had occurred at the colony, as well as not taking full responsibility for the actions of its embassy there, which did nothing to help their people. A good number of survivors of the abuse are now seeking legal compensation from the Chilean and German government for their lack of response to these terrible crimes. And as for the fate of the colony's leader, Paul Schaefer would end up dying in prison in the year 2010. As for his dark legacy... Schaefer will be remembered by those who knew him and his history as a cruel and sadistic man. He is personally responsible for countless destroyed lives. It is a wonder how he was able to pull something off of this magnitude, creating a colony that lasted many decades simply to fulfill his perversions. One man has referred to Schaefer as a psychological genius, a master manipulator. This fact was made all the more impressive as Schaefer was not a particularly smart individual at all. He had trouble with even basic reading and writing, but over the years he had perfected how to twist and force people to follow his will. For the victims of Paul Schaefer, they are attempting to move on with their lives as best they can, while also trying to repair the damages done to them in their awful past. Countless victims have had to put up with the stigma of being a child in the Colonia Dignidad, and have been the butt of many insensitive jokes and targets of inappropriate questions. These people have had to survive horrors and abuse that many can't even imagine. And with great courage, many have also been able to forgive those who had wronged them so terribly in the past. One particular victim went on to become a successful lawyer, 
and has made it his mission in life to see it that his fellow survivors will receive compensation and justice for the 30 years of abuse and terror they had to live through. In the end, as much as all these people would like to simply forget the past, they know it is instead better for the world to become aware of all that had happened in the Colonia Dignidad and make sure that their piece of history, as dark as it was, is never forgotten. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Strange Matters Podcast. If you would like to send feedback or suggestions for future episodes, please reach us at our email, strangematterspodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, strangematterspodcast.com, where you can comment on, listen to, and download all of our episodes. We finally ask that if you are listening to us on iTunes and enjoy the show, please take the time to leave us a quick rating and a review. It means a lot to us, and it also helps promote the podcast so we can continue to reach new listeners. Until the next episode of the Strange Matters podcast, take care, everyone.